1: Over the last couple of months now, we're starting to get a little bit of feedback from some of our listeners that they quite enjoy the pace of it all, that plenty of time has been given to appreciate just one featured work of the week each week while it sits alone in the Crawford Art Gallery waiting for the doors to open again soon. It's even been said that there's a kind of a Monty Don feel about it all like a languid, easy-going, long meadow afternoon with sleepy dogs in the background. Well, this week's Work of the Week does exactly that in Corsica. So with this in mind, let's cue some music from Corsica. Do you know what, Michael? I'm kind of glad that we've returned back to watercolours something on paper because for the last few weeks we've been dealing in 3D art I suppose and now we're back to a watercolour done by Beatrice Gubbins who was born in the late 1800s and this particular piece you reckon dates back to maybe 1920 or so it's a gorgeously romantic watercolour of a place in Corsica and in fact, as a result of its name, it has actually two names. So tell me a little bit more about Beatrice Gubbins' Watercolour, which is this week's Work of the Week.
0: This Watercolour, it's titled Bastia, which is the name of a city in Corsica. Yeah. And yet the Watercolour itself does not show a town. Yeah. It is a gorgeous lakeside scene, and this is the alternative title for the the work, Lakeside Scene, Summer's Day. And I think it's, Just the the nicest possible idea for right now, Mm. this idea of being in a very sultry summer setting. The two names, I suppose, give us two different descriptions. One is more about the impression of a place, and then the other is a very specific named place. I'll leave it to others to see which which they prefer as a title but we have the title and an alternative title
1: Okay I I think Bastia sounds like some sort of a Corsican swear word so my preference (laughs) obviously would be Lakeside Scene A Summer's Day and I wonder, was the choice this week, has it got anything to do with the fine, unseasonable weather we've had in the last 10 days or so?
0: It must have had some sort of <laughs> impact. Particularly, I suppose, the work of the week is always a work from the collection yeah. and that is currently on display. Yeah. And while visitors can't quite access it in the flesh, so to speak, at the moment. It is hanging on the walls of the gallery. And I suppose we've never featured this artist Mm -hmm. in the work of the week. It's between the two. Very appropriate image for this time of year, but also we can learn a little bit more about the artist through this work.
1: Let's just describe the piece itself. It's a quotation I've used before, and it actually puts a bit of a challenge up to both of us to describe a work of art because it was once said that talking about art is like dancing about architecture. (laughs) Now we have to describe on the radio something that people cannot see until they go online, of course, and look at the work of the week in the Crawford website. So how would you, using your best and most romantic English, describe this wonderful summer's day scene?
0: The watercolour itself is actually quite small, so it's only about 35 centimetres across, mm-hmm. which is really a foot or, or a, you know, a standard ruler. Yeah. So it's quite a small, intimate scene and what we, we see is quite a flat, glassy lake stretching out ahead of us, perhaps moving towards a river so it narrows as it goes into the background. Mm-hmm. And the colours the artist has used are very, very, I think, hazy and pastel. So there are blues and washed out greens and browns. So it does seem very misty or hazy, mm-hmm. And the trees that gather around the lake seem to be sort of drooping in this heat, this summer heat. Yeah, yeah. It is a kind of a very languorous, yeah. lazy scene, not brightly coloured, yeah. but something very soft and I think very inviting.
1: Very soft on the eyes and all of that. And if you look very closely at the centre of it, there's actually a little detail that you could miss if you didn't study it properly.
0: Yes, so just really at the centre of the painting on the lake side, there's a slight deepening of the artist's colour. There's a kind of flash of blue and a darker brown. And this is a boat that is perhaps just pushing out into the lake and there's a solitary figure in the boat. Uh-huh. And there's a little, just a little fence beyond. So this is just a little bit of, I think, visual interest to give us a sense of scale in the scene as well. Right. But it is a very placid, very, very calm scene.
1: Somewhere where you would enjoy a nice little punt on the river with your small boat. Precisely. Kind of define its romantic setting because it has been chosen by people as somewhere to go for a nice languid afternoon, possibly a bottle of champagne hanging out at the end of the punt. But that's just my imagination.
0: (laughs) That sounds delicious.
1: (laughs) And also, speaking of my imagination, when I looked at it first for a second, I went, oh my God, we're doing a Monet this week. I hope that that could be construed as a compliment to Beatrice Cobbins because... It has that kind of feel about it, although it predates it by a considerable
0: amount of time. Yes, and I think with the style she has chosen to use here, it is quite impressionistic in that way. Mm. It would remind me a little bit of the watercolours of Turner as well. Um, Listeners might be familiar with, particularly the ones that go on show every January in the National Gallery in Dublin. So a very beautiful handling of the paint She knows how to use watercolours. And of course, she was a member of the Watercolour Society of Ireland. She very much had a good standing when it came to using this medium.
1: Well, we put her in good company simply by association with other famous names. But Beatrice herself has an interesting story to tell. She was brought up in Cork in a house that people can still see today when they visit the city.
0: They can indeed, so the name will be very familiar to many. Beatrice Gubbins moved with her her parents and and sisters and brothers to Dumkettle House, which overlooks Loch Mahan and the River Lee, today familiar to drivers in particular, for the Dumkettle interchange and the the entry into the Jacklind tunnel. It is a very fine 18th century residence that overlooks the whole harbour area and river area from the North Shore. So Beatrice and her sisters grew up there, all of whom were partially deaf. Wow. And, and they spent their lives at the house, tending the farm and garden. They're a very, very interesting family.
1: Would that probably explain why she had a heightened sense of visual where art probably gave her such pleasure because she was obviously orally impaired until thankfully she had a, a treatment in London which restored some of her hearing when she was in her, her mid-30s which was great great news.
0: Yes I mean um, so sometime around 1911 or 1912 she went to London to receive treatment which restored some of her hearing mm-hmm. But that means that, you know, her early life with her sisters and their household was quite strict, I believe. So their upbringing, they would have been directed very specifically in in how they learned things and and how they occupied themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think a visual imagination certainly must have emerged quite early for for Beatrice. And it would certainly have been a pursuit that her, you know, women of her class would have been expected to... To undertake.
1: She obviously took it to her best ability and also it didn't hold her back as well. That's what I was going to say. She saw the world. And in this week's blog, if you look at Work of the Week online in the Crawford, you can see the list of countries that she got to see.
0: She travelled really extensively with her family. They travelled Ireland to Connemara and so on, and she sketched as she went. And then throughout her life, her adult life. She travelled to the UK, of course, but further afield to France and Italy and Portugal, and then to North Africa as well, and even the West Indies. So she was very, very well travelled. Her artworks are a reflection of those travels. And she was also a nurse during the First World War. Mm. So she was a very, very prolific individual very, very, I think, driven and was always occupied.
1: I was just thinking that, you know, the fact that you have a, a slight impairment in, in, her, in her case, it certainly didn't ho- hold her back. But even people who are visually impaired, there are opportunities for them in the Crawford Art Gallery as well because you have a programme called Scene on Scene.
0: Yes, yeah, so we've been very fortunate over the the last several years, to collaborate with the artist Claire McLaughlin, who arranges a sort of organised non-visual experiences for for individuals who are interested, and they are called scene unseen. Mm-hmm. In the past, we have been very fortunate that artists participating in some of our exhibitions have allowed these individuals supervised to to touch certain artworks, three dimensional artworks. And also to use high contrast artworks mm-hmm. and describe them via speech to, mm-hmm. I suppose, reveal what a visually impaired person is perceiving mm-hmm. and just with a few words can connect the dots. It's a, it's a really wonderful programme and Claire McLaughlin has been a great partner on that and bringing and orchestrating this sort of event to us and other institutions.
1: And in a funny way, you and I are doing our bit as well, because using a few words, we're trying to describe some art to people who can't actually see it. For those who've enjoyed the fact that we can talk about art in the same way that we could dance about architecture if we would like. Again, Michael Waldron, curator from the Crawford Art Gallery. I thank you yet again for going on a little journey to Corsica with us this week. Thanks, Connor. Just simply go to crawfordartgallery.ie forward slash Work of the Week for not just this week's, but every week's Work of the Week featured in the gallery over the last couple of years. And you can also hear our weekly Work of the Week podcasts here as well.